0: Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum podcast. My name is Sarah.
1: And my name is Stephen.
0: And my name is Emily. And today's episode is all about
2: lessons.
0: What have you learned? What are you going to learn? Nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's September. It's, it's back to school season. I'm so glad to be out of that. Yeah, oh my God.
1: completely out of the education system altogether.
2: Still learning, but out of formal education leading mm-hmm. search.
0: You learn a lot of stuff in life you would never think is really a, an issue, like how to put on a wash and how to <laughs> properly clean dishes. That's why I think
2: home economics or domestic science, what's it, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. should be compulsory for everyone
1: mm-hmm. because
2: it's one of the few subjects in school that actually
0: has a practical application. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: learning things that are actually helpful for life—you mm-hmm. would think that would actually be
0: helpful. An idea? <laughs> I did business uh, because I'm such an arty soul, and my dad was like, right, we need to actually put some business to her head. So dad made me do business, and I don't remember anything for it except, like, PLC and (laughs) LTD and what they mean. And I remember in, uh, in college, someone just casually asked... Oh, so does anyone know the tax cut-off point? And I put my hand up like, I did business. I know what that is.
1: So. I did a bit of business in transition year and remember absolutely none of it.
0: Mm, yeah, I remember a lot of it was common sense with fancy terms.
1: Which a lot of
0: education is. And life, mm-hmm. really. It's like, this is, should be common sense, but here's like five courses on how to do it. Mm.
2: And we should probably start talking yeah, about stories the storytelling. Yeah, we've got off on a gigantic we've tangent. Had, yeah, d- d- the leading cert is a scar. It lingers. Mm,
1: the sacrificial altar upon which we gain our summers.
0: Mm. You can tell as a storyteller right there, just like, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, But we're talking about lessons in our folklore and stories. And do do all our stories have lessons, or are there particular... Stories that have a lesson. There are
2: some stories that I have a particular lesson, but mm-hmm. I think one of the main lessons you can take from a lot of our folklore, particularly the folklore involving leprechauns, is leave them alone. Oh, dear lord, yes. Mind
1: your own business.
2: Leave well enough alone. <laughs> Calm down there, father. I'm just like, way <laughs> out after that.
1: If you hear a ticking noise coming from a hedge, keep walking.
2: What if it's a bomb Or a crocodile who's accidentally swallowed a clock?
1: That wasn't an accident. He he knew who was holding that (laughs) clock.
0: There's so many little leprechaun stories where it's like, don't be greedy, don't be lazy, don't be all this stuff. Mm. And it's really stuff you should know. And if a leprechaun story is telling you this... You're th- you're losing hope for your life in there. <laughs>
2: that's, uh, that's why we in the museum have a big objection to leprechaun traps, mm-hmm. which seem they don't, people don't do leprechaun traps in Ireland. It seems to be a totally North American thing. Mm-hmm. But we object to leprechaun traps because what you are essentially teaching children is oh, someone's a bit different from you and they've got a thing you want. Oh, it's perfectly fine to kidnap and steal them. Yeah. Yeah. Stop teaching your children colonialism.
0: <laughs> oh. Nisha has a great line in the museum because an awful lot of a lot of, a lot of people come up and they say where can I buy a leprechaun? That, I often get that question. Mm-hmm. And you look them dead in the eye and you say first of all it's illegal and second you say under um human trafficking there's a subsection magical trafficking. Act. <laughs> now I think he said that possibly even on a podcast but it's a great line. <laughs> now okay we need to get back to the lessons here. Lessons. The lessons um, are don't get storytellers started. Oh, don't Danny, shut don't. up. I think So we have lots of different stories to talk about, but also, what kind of lessons do the people in our stories learn, and what is the point of telling these stories? Mm. Well,
2: it depends. Some of them are the big lessons, and some of them are the small lessons. Yeah. Mm. So you've got, like, the big lessons, like, you know, love and justice and the, the right way to be a king, and then you've got the little things, like why it's important to throw out the foot water at night. Uh, so I have, a, I have a lot of stories which are like the little lessons because I like mm. these things that seem sort of ritualistic, but they do have a practical purpose as well. Uh, so would you like me to? Oh, I'd love you to. One of my, my favourite lesson stories. Emily, take it away. It's the night of the horned woman. Very nice. So there was once a little cottage, and in this cottage there lived a woman with three children. Now it was late at night, the children were fast asleep, and the woman, she was getting ready to go to bed herself, when suddenly there came a knock on her door. it was late, she wasn't expecting a visitor, so she called out, Who is knocking on my door? And a voice replied, I am the witch of one horn. And this was weird, so she went, she opened the door, and lo and behold, there was a witch with one horn. And this one-horned witch pushed away in, sat down, and took out a sack of wool, and she started to comb the wool to card to make it ready for spinning then there came a second knock on the door again the woman calls out who is knocking on my door and the voice replies I am the witch of two hearts She opens the door there's a witch this time with two horns this witch comes in sits down takes out a spinning wheel the wool the first witch combs the second which spins then there comes a third knock on the door the woman of the house calls out who is knocking on my door and the voice applies, I am the witch of three horns, and lo and behold, it's a witch with three horns. <laughs> she joins the first two, and she takes out a loom. So the wool that the first witch combs, the second spins, and the third begins to weave into cloth. Now the woman notices something weird. The kids, the children, they haven't woken up. They haven't even stirred with all of this commotion, and she goes to check on them, and she finds she can't move. She tries to scream but her shot She stands there as still as a statue, as silent as the grave, but it feels like hours as the witches are working away until one of them looks up and is a woman, we're Steve? Go make us a cup of tea. So the woman she well, she finds she can move because she's been given an order by the witches. So she looks around for a bucket, for a pail. She can't find anything to get water in, and the witches they see this and they start to laugh and they get In my sieve Fetch <laughs> the water in my sieve. So she picks up a sieve, she walks out to the well, she dips a sieve in the water but it's a sieve. Water just falls her through. And she collapses by the well and starts to panic and cry because her children are still inside. She doesn't know what these witches are planning, but it's probably not very good. And then the well talks to her and a voice calls out Patch the sieve with clay and with moss. Now, everyone knows wells have got a bit of magic to them. So she does it said She gathers clay from the ground, moss from the side of the well, she uses it to patch her sieve, and sure enough, it now holds water. But the well calls to her again. I'm not done helping you yet. Go to your house. Go to the north corner. Call out three times that the mountain of the Fenian women is on fire. Just so, she says. She goes to the north corner of her house and she calls out three times that the mountain of the Fenian women is on fire. And when the witches heard it, they ran straight to that mountain because that was their home. Woman runs inside and tries to away from her children, but though she shakes them and shakes them, they, they, they just don't wake up. So she runs to the well screaming, Well, well, how do I break the spell? Spell, and the well tells her what she needs to do. She needs to take the water from the sieve, wash the children's feet, and then scatter the water all around the clay pile. Next, she needs to find a rowan tree, take its branches, use them to bar shut her door. And lastly, she needs to take the cloth that the witches have made. She needs to place it half in. Out of a chest, close the lid and lock it tight with an iron padlock. But she needs to hurry because uh, the witches, they're going to be back. So she runs to do it. She takes the water and says, wash the children's feet, scatters it all around the path. Then goes and looks for a rowan tree. She finds one. She tears the branches off with her bare hands, brings them inside, bar shut her door. And lastly, takes the cloth. Now the cloth feels strange. It feels heavy. It should feel light. It feels cold. Or it should feel warm. But she puts it half in, half out of a chest, closes the lid and locks it tight with an iron padlock. And of course, she's only just in time because the witches have returned. And they're angry that the woman had tried to trick them. So the first witch calls, water and clay, water and clay, open my way, water and clay. But the water on the path just calls back, I can't, I've been scattered. The second witch, she calls to the door, she calls, wittertree. Wood tree, open for me, you wood tree. The door just calls back, I hold, I've been the last witch, as a plane flies overhead, she calls, woven and spun, woven and spun, make the locks undone, you woven and spun. But the cloth just calls out, I'm stuck. And as soon as the clock speaks, the sun starts to rise, and when the light of the sun falls on the skin of the witches, they melt into nothing but morning mist. And the children woke up. They call out for their mother, they have strange dreams, but she, she doesn't tell them what happened. Not till her oldest daughter is old enough to understand such things. And only then does she tell her about the night of the horned woman. And that daughter, she tells her daughter. That daughter tells her daughter. That daughter tells hers. And the story got passed on from mother to daughter five hundred years, until Lady Jane Weil wrote it down. Fabulous
0: <laughs> Yeah. Um, Emily, I must say, you do the best voices. <laughs> <long> <laughs> you do. I love doing the witchy voices. I love that. I love that. I literally told that story on a tour today. I love it's that story. It's a fun one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In
2: like the, the the original written down one that I found source I found there's there's twelve witches, mm-hmm. but it's. I don't have time for 12 witches. That is entirely fair. Open the door once. And I've, I've found a couple of different sort of variants on it. And there's sort of, there's different things they do. Like in one, the witches, they want they don't want tea. They want to make a cake. Mm-hmm. So she's sent out to get water for the cake. But they get bored and they start taking the blood of her children. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I met her as a newborn child and she they drain the blood of the child. But that story really has an important lesson, which is don't open
2: your door. Don't open night. your door at night to strangers. But also the way to protect, like to stop the witches coming in. Are things like wash your children's feet and throw out the water, which was mm-hmm. people used to, you threw out foot water. Yeah. Because before plumbing, you'd bring in your water in the morning, by evening, it was pretty soupy. Mm-hmm. And you'd toss it out, and that was said to keep away the fairies, because yeah. they wouldn't want to cross over the path and get their feet martyred, or keep witches away. And like rowan trees are often seen as quite good for uh, protection against, say, protection of, sort of mothers and children. And- mm-hmm. The
1: wood of the Rowan was also traditionally used to make shields.
2: Or cradles. Yeah, yeah. So too good, good for protection. Mm-hmm. And in some versions, she has to bank the fire. And this was a thing because in sort of rural pre electric light Ireland, you'd have your fire and it would be lit all year. Mm-hmm. It, would only, it would only go out on one day of the year. But you had to keep it lit because if you didn't have the fire lit, well, you'd be in darkness and you'd be really cold. And if you woke up in the morning and the fire was dead, it would take you a few hours to you know, get the fire going again. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of winter in December, you know, it's you your fingers are freeze to bits and you'd be pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. But you want to bank it up in a safe way so that it's going to set the house on fire. Mm-hmm. And this is something that shows up again in the ancient story of Nira and the corpse from the Ulster Cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nira, due to a complicated series of events, is wandering around with a, the corpse on his back. And this mm-hmm. corpse is calling out that we need to go somewhere for a drink. But he, he comes to various houses and they've done the right protection thing so he can't get in with the corpse until he comes to a house where the people forgot to do the things and he's able to get in.
0: Can I ask a super question? Is that the same as Tiger Cain? A... I think
2: it is an earlier version. Yeah,
0: it's, they sort of seem to have come from the same root.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, to bring it back into the business thing we were talking earlier, <laughs> our, our stories, uh, their stories to common sense things mm-hmm. so obviously if you want to keep warm keep the fire going yeah. all the time because here is a story because of that remember. people remember stories people don't remember you telling them things yeah, especially when people don't like instructions especially young children tell you this i don't want to go near this wood late at night mm-hmm. well maybe if your children if you if you don't want your children going in the woods late at night, tell them a story about yeah. it so a lot of these things.
2: It's, um, it's like with superstitions. Uh, uh-huh. Any, any theater people will probably know that it's, it seems very bad luck to whistle backstage. Uh-huh. And the reason it's bad luck to whistle backstage is that stagehands used to signal each other by whistling. And they'd be pulling up and down the scenery and they'd be weighted with soundbags. So if you walked by whistling, you could only put a soundbag on your head. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you tell people that, they'll just go, Ah, oh, it's fine. Health and safety gone. Differently sane. <laughs> uh, but if you tell them it's bad luck, ooh
0: we're very into the bad luck in Ireland oh my god
1: the, uh, the, another uh, lesson aspect to that one is the story being passed down mm-hmm. like this is how you deal with it if these witches turn up being passed down generation to generation as well and like you were saying about how there's usually 12 when it was three that kind of felt very much like the, um, the Norns or the Fates yeah
2: that's sort of what I was thinking with, because they do come and they start doing all the things you need to do to make wool go from sort of sheep to clothing yeah and they go through all the stages I'm just going to cut that down three is a magic number of course yeah
0: well to bring back to lessons I was researching a lot just for this podcast and I was thinking of stories and what old warriors learned and what we learned from their tales and stuff and I'll tell you guys, I found something from primary school that you might know and I remember reading and I completely forgot about it, but then when I read it, it reminded me back of primary school. Do you remember fosterage In medieval yeah, Ireland, that. people, what they would do is they would send their children off to other homes. Mm-hmm. They would send their own child and to be raised by someone else, mm-hmm. but the family that was taking the child would have to pay a fee. But the reason they did this was actually to bond the families together and make mm-hmm. them stronger. So, you know, it would stop any fighting or anything yeah, like I'm that. Because I'm, I'm not going to burn down child. your house if
2: my kids are in there. Exactly, exactly. that sort
0: of thing. Yeah, women mm-hmm. were actually a lot dearer than men because women were seen as a bit a bit useless compared to the men. The men were great. They could plough. Women, they were taught sewing. All those great stuff. Mm-hmm. They were taught sewing. They were taught cooking. The men, if you were of a lower class, you were taught farming, wood cutting, all re- sheep rearing. The typical things you'd need to be. But if you were the son of a king or something mm-hmm. like that, you'd be taught swordmanship. And you'd be taught several games. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to both of you this today, but I found out that they taught children chess. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a second, how old is bloody chess? <laughs> and you were telling me like, chess is very old, sir, chess is very old. But I looked it up um, chess is actually from the Persian Empire. And it was originally a game there. And I have the name and it was called uh, Eschatranzu, oh. And it was, now there's several origins of where it possibly came from, but it came to Spain. And then from Spain, mm. it came all around Europe, and then to Ireland. Yeah. And it's wild.
2: Yeah. It's sure. mentioned things like, things like a, Queen Maeve had a golden chess board with silver pieces. Mm. And there was a sort of, the Vikings also had their sort of, Yeah. it's called Viking Chess, it's a bit different to chess, in that the, the, the sides aren't equal, and you sort of have to play two games of it. Mm. But this sort of this board game of battle, really old. And it mm. does come up, isn't it in uh, Madeira and Attain? Yes, chess. yes it is. Yeah, they play they play chess against each other to sort of make winnie, wages. We need yeah. basically. Yeah, because women are property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh always, absolutely. And isn't there there's an Egyptian myth I remember from ages mm-hmm. ago about a son of a pharaoh who who wants to gain all the knowledge, he wants to become a priestess of uh, outside priest of thought. And he found that there was once a man who found the secret book of thought. Mm-hmm and wrote its pages onto a parchment and dipped them in wine and drank it so that he he could never forget the knowledge and the guy goes to find his tomb to try to find it and he finds the man's ghost mm-hmm. and they, they basically the ghost says well you have to prove that you're worthy of it and they mm-hmm. play the game of chess and oh. every time he loses the game of chess he sinks into the floor deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and he keeps thinking oh, i can do this i can do this until he's up to his neck and he's having to dictate like pawn to <laughs> b5 and his brother has come along, and his brother is you know, not the brightest, not the strongest, mm-hmm. not, not really anything particularly special. But his brother sees this going on, and he sees that you're going to lose this, and you're still going to. So his brother just runs in, knocks over the chessboard, yanks him out by the hair, and just drags him out. <laughs> and there's more to the story, but I just love this image of the one guy with a little bit of common sense. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no. Stop this while you're ahead now. Common sense, though, that's one thing you actually can't teach. No. It can't be learned.
2: Should we dive into our questions? Uh, yeah, oh, actually, let's,
0: let's, sure let's do go it. for the questions. A box of magic questions. Oh. Shake, 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 shake those questions. What have
2: we got? To see,
1: you? Uh, we've got three questions on this one.
2: All right, we'll start with the first.
1: What's the most commonly asked question storytellers in the museum get asked? Oh,
2: do I have to go on the tour? Can I not just look around by myself?
0: <laughs> why? Why can we not let children in? Do you sell leprechauns? very much the are you a leprechaun to me Mm -hmm.
1: just coming straight up to the desk and asking how much
0: yeah listen at the end of the day we understand every single one of those questions because it is called the leprechaun museum it is a rather strange place and it's extremely strange to define what we do because it's we're unlike any other museum now we answer all those questions sincerely and we do really care and again everything is everything is relative, like we do yet children in to the questions yeah how much is it
2: it's 16 euro for an adult 14 <laughs> for seniors and students 10 for kids there's also a family ticket two adults two children or oh, 44 can i wander around by myself stephen no why
1: because it's not an ordinary museum we don't have exhibits it's all about storytelling there wouldn't be any fun without a storyteller
2: yeah. sarah why would it not be suitable for very small children
0: Some young children, they find it quite difficult to sit and listen for 45 minutes. Some of the rooms are in dark and they find it quite scary. Now, some young children very much enjoy that sort of thing. So we do not say no children. We do let children in, but we always tell the parents beforehand that it can be scary and it's 45 minutes long.
2: Yeah, we say six as a guideline. I think... It very
0: much depends on when did they last eat
2: and when did they last sleep. And that goes for
0: adults as well. -hmm. (laughs) Babies, honestly, sometimes they can be absolutely fine on tours. Mm -hmm. You can get babies and they will be asleep the entire tour. And then during a tour, they'll kick up a fuss and they'll start to cry. But the parents, we tell you in advance and we say, listen, here's the reality. But if we didn't tell you and you came in and expected something else, that would be a problem. But because Mm -hmm. we tell you and we say, hey, here's what it is we don't want people coming in with an expectation yeah. Yeah. that it's like, this like if, if you came not. in and you
2: were expecting you know dancing leprechauns who would dress up your kids as leprechauns and they could get you know do that you'd be very
0: disappointed coming in
1: mm-hmm. very mm-hmm.
0: Uh, can I buy a leprechaun here you can in the gift shop a teeny tiny a <sighs> leprechaun but no there's no life like leprechauns like we've said that's illegal it's very <laughs> mean there's
1: all kinds of trafficking laws the Terrible. UN would be honest
0: the storyteller's here really and truly this is like our second home People yeah. come in on their day off. I've come in on my day off. I know, <laughs> you have. It's just my been... dogs have come in. Your dogs? Yeah. <gasps> okay, we're going to talk about your recent dogs. Oh, the little doggo that's... coming into the museum. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, re- recently, it was International Dog Day on the 26th. Mm-hmm. And one of my dogs, Squire, came in and he did some tours with me. And he's a he's a sweet little cavalier. He's four years and he adores people and attention. <laughs> And he's coming round to me in the tours in a basket, <laughs> because Squire, he's got his lead on, and we're standing. He thinks, "Why are we standing? I've got the lead on. Clearly, we're meant to be going for a walk. Stop dilly dallying." But when, when we're doing the tours, we do have to suddenly stand and talk, uh, and Squire. Well, we put him in the back. I put him in a little basket. He's like, "Oh, this is quite comfy. I'll just sit here and all the It's good." Uh, because the museum the museum is dog friendly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like obviously service dogs and things always welcome. Mm-hmm. Pet dogs and you know companion pet friend dogs if they're well behaved house trained and no one else on the tour has a, has a phobia or to dogs they're also welcome mm-hmm.
0: bring your doggos bring your doggos like within reason now if we say bring your doggos and 20 people come in and want a tour with dogs well given mm-hmm. that it's maximum 18 people on the tour exactly mm-hmm. but yeah bring 18 dogs one person man you could I mean,
2: for doing a tour all dog to tour. The
0: dogs. Yes, the dogs give the tours. Do to the dogs? Mm. We've gone <laughs> off topic again. Speaking of lessons, recently, if we're talking about recent tours, we mm-hmm. did a tour for Heritage Week. We I did guess. tours where we gave the public lessons on how to be storytellers. Mm-hmm. Lots of people in the museum. We brought them around the museum, telling them. Just how to tell stories. Just the basics of, um, you know, and sections of the voice and what you can do when you tell. And we, we taught them some stories.
1: A friend of mine did go on one of those tours, oh. though. She very much enjoyed it. Uh, she thought Shanon and Nisha were really good teachers and very good storytellers. Because of it, or at least partially because of it, she is taking up writing and coming up with her own stories.
2: Well, oh. because of what oh, yeah. she learned here. Oh, it yeah. might um, come full circle. Maybe one day we'll find one for a book soon, Possibly, that would be nice. <laughs> so,
0: what's the next question, Richard? Well, I have some questions here. I've, I've two questions. One: What Irish story slash character slash creature do you find most inspiring? Oh, depends what
2: you mean by inspiring. Mm.
0: Inspiring to do evil, or inspiring like an like amazing nice creature? in my personal life, or inspires me to create and tell more mm. stories. A like Queen Maeve is pretty inspiring, but would you say she's a good person? <laughs>
1: the priest. In what do we call it? The Lady of golerus
0: The priestess says, "Look, you can't marry Marry a
2: fish."
1: Yeah, (laughs) just the common sense and the frankness about it. This man was trying to marry a merrow, which is basically. And she did not want to marry him. She did not, and he told her, "She's a fish. This is not the same species." (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) Also, consent. (laughs) Uh, Consent is really
0: important. Mm Sadly, in a lot of old folk yeah, tales, old consent is not really an issue. And no, this is, unfortunately. This is not sadly unique to Ireland, but mm-hmm. things have changed. The world is getting better, and it's important to look back in our stories and uh, address the uh, problematic aspects, mm. but also have a bit of fun with them. Just look at the stories and be like, you know what? We've changed now. Isn't it great?
1: I do like emphasising that uh, the man in that story is basically kidnapping mm. the Meryl.
0: His name is Dick he
2: is well named yeah. it's, it's very appropriate <laughs> um, I suppose one story I've been slightly inspired by is uh, The Lady Isabel and the Elven Knight which is an old story it's a folk tale sorry it's a folk ballad uh, and you can actually trace its origins to a first written form coming sort of Danish 10th century but it seems to go further in the oral tradition and that's one of those stories that's sort of travelled around Europe and broken up into different bits but the version I tell is pretty poly and it's so when mm-hmm. I tell lot on my Darkland. And I picked out certain elements from that story um, that struck with me. It was by the time the Me Too was gaining a lot of traction. And it's about a, a woman who's seduced or lured or enchanted by a magical creature uh, in the form of a man who takes her into the woods and wants to kill her, but she manages to escape. And to me, the story seemed very much, uh, the elements that I took from it were The need to speak out against against abuse, Mm. relationship abuse,
1: Mm.
2: and that how yes you might be able to find the strength to overcome it, but at the end, like she releases a magic bird and puts iron to bind it down, but iron rusts, and birds die, and one Mm. day the creature will be free. But the one thing she can do is tell her story and make sure it gets passed on, Mm -hmm. because that way maybe the next girl will be able to escape the situation.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, it's a story I've told i told it on the tour i told it in my Sounds from the Shadows podcast uh, but you took got a slightly different angle from the story
1: yeah well I got that as well but the, the fact that in the story she takes every piece of iron she can find whether it's like an iron for clothes or a bowl or a plough or an old sword or anything and she piles it all on top of him it doesn't matter what kind of iron it is and I thought, well, look at the things that are happening now in the world uh, with um, I'm just going to use the word with fascism back on the rise again and people yep. arguing about what to do about it and I just think well, use all of the iron. Use every method for opposing it. Don't fight over which one, just use the one you're comfortable with and encourage others to do the same.
0: I will take I mean that story. I I honestly I I've heard it. I've heard you do the Darkland, um, and I haven't really like yourself like thought about it. But it, it comes back to lessons. Like all these stories have lessons, and sometimes the lessons aren't like you said they're happy go lucky little leprechaun. Don't. But sometimes they're extremely extremely deep, and mm-hmm. they really hit home. And I think, like you said about you know, fascism and the world and how we are, it's almost impossible to do our job and tell stories and not look at the world around us and be mm-hmm. like well, here's what we've learned from the stories and, mm-hmm. com- and and looked at the world around us and, I guess, change our view of things because of what has happened. Mm-hmm. Because these stories, yes, they're folk tales, but they have happened to people mm-hmm. in yeah. lots of different ways.
2: Yeah. Every story has something in it. Like it has a grain of truth.
1: Mm-hmm. That, um, that line, I think, was Alan Moore. Uh, Artists use lies to
0: tell the truth.
2: Or Oscar Wilde, if you want to tell some of the truth, make them laugh first, or they'll kill you. He
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. had the best lines.
2: did. Okay, uh, let's have a, let's have one more question, and then we'll start trying to do some more stories. Okay,
1: so the second question I had here was: Are storytellers born or made?
2: Oh mm, well, that goes on to your. We you were talking about the heritage today. We were teaching people yeah how to tell stories, but we weren't like making them into a storyteller, like doing something. Like Captain America come into this <laughs> and be injected with this serum and that you were a storyteller
0: oh imagine though imagine if that's how we got our jobs just be like Shh, oh i the gene
1: someone was in some lab somewhere sewing together bits, bits. well
2: that, that's kind of what we do when we make stories we do sew together bits yeah I mean I, I like to think that you say a rookery of storytellers, mm-hmm. I think all storytellers
0: are slightly magpieish.
1: Oh yeah, we, we're, we're scavengers. We go rooting through the detritus of culture, picking out what we like.
0: <laughs> the amount of times I come into work and everyone's like, guys, I was just reading this book last night about this particular story and I found this fact, so we are always learning stories. The question of are we born storytellers, I always say to customers, You are storytellers. You have told stories about what has happened in the pub. What Mm -hmm. happened at work. What happened on the way to work. The reason why we are just. We're theatrical. Is because we're theatrical people. And since I've joined. I've definitely become a better storyteller. Because I learn and I take from what other people here do. Mm -hmm. Again magpies. Stealing bits. And actually the biggest thing I say to people. Don't be afraid to look silly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I think uh, part of the. What makes you a storyteller is
2: having the confidence to say you are a storyteller because Mm -hmm. we're all any sort of thing if you're communicating in any way with another living being you are you are a storyteller Mm -hmm. like i jokingly sometimes say i come from a long line of storytellers and i come from a long line of people using words in creative fashions uh (laughs) got a couple lawyers in there my grandfather my dad's side a uh, great businessman and a bit of a chancer the best uh, But he was a pharmacist <laughs> but it, he was also a storyteller mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's having the confidence to I mean, we're all born with the storyteller I don't know gene or like. curse <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's just it's just some of us uh, you know choose to say yes I am a storyteller I'm not actually growing up as small kids in school mm-hmm. did you ever get told out for told out told given up Get in oh, trouble for telling stories. Um, mm. it was, oh, got don't be cheeky and don't be telling stories. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't Frequently. know where his accent comes from. But... It's the general teacher
2: accent. Yeah. I think
1: they all learn it at some point.
2: Yeah, I, I think I just sort of mushed them all together into my head. Mm-hmm. Stop that now. Yeah. But don't be telling stories. I think, I hope teachers don't still say that to students. I hope parents and grandparents okay. don't say that. Because, of course, you should be telling stories. That's how we live. That's how we navigate mm-hmm. this mad world of dimensions and chaos and pain. We create stories. And some people, they create stories and they control narratives in a way that is not good for mm-hmm. a lot of the population. But we make stories be- to make sense of ourselves. Mm. And I think it's a human thing. We look for patterns, we look for faces and clouds, and we tell stories. Yeah. I'm um, very pro story.
0: Did no, you use re- Emily? brilliant well done like honestly just I think as well you hit home with the the the, the teachers telling children not to tell stories because what we do here is very whimsical and childlike because this is a dream to tell stories it is so much fun like what what do you do all day sir I tell stories for a living like what kind of job but you do need a sense of fun and childlike happiness Mm -hmm. because sadly a lot of adults they feel they have to hide that away Mm -hmm. when they have it it's it's upset especially men sadly Mm -hmm. a lot of men sadly especially if they do enjoy the folklore and stories they have to hide it away yeah I've seen a lot of men sometimes even on stag nights they would come in and they there would be in a group of lads and some people would be laughing at it and be like, oh, this is all silly. And then one or two guys would actually genuinely enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But they suppress that glee. Yeah. Don't suppress your glee for stories and life. Yeah. There's my lesson from me.
1: Um, it was C.S. Lewis, I believe, who said, when I became a man, I put away childish things, including the urge to seem very grown up. <laughs>
2: uh, just another thing on why we need stories. Um, I can't remember if I said it or if it was said to me but it was said in my vicinity at some stage uh, (laughs) we'd been watching a horror film me and my siblings probably shouldn't have been watching and uh, we were getting a bit scared and someone said the very profound thing the way small children can say profound things if the monsters are real so are the heroes (laughs) unfortunately then you start looking at mythology and you realise the heroes are monsters
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and sometimes the monsters are heroes
2: yeah like life yeah (laughs) like Right, so, um, That's such a sweet sentiment.
1: Though. It is, though. Tycho Kane. I mentioned Cain! Earlier,
2: corpse carrying.
1: Yeah. So, Tycho Kane. He was a bit of a jack the lad. Uh, he lived in Ireland, obviously, and he he was a bit of a womanizer. He was a drinker, a gambler. Everything your
2: mother wouldn't want you to bring home.
1: Exactly. And his father tolerated it a lot. He he loved his son so much, and his father was reasonably well off and he funded all of Jack or Jack First, Jack's coming in Tig's escapades but one day Tig got this woman pregnant and this woman Tig actually had a lot of genuine affection for her and he felt that maybe in a few years he'd be ready to marry her which is
2: you got a bit of a clock going though
1: just, just shut up, Tig. Um yeah.
2: So he doesn't really want to get involved, but he doesn't know what to do,
1: and he's thinking of just leaving, and his father was furious. This was one thing his father could not forgive, and so he refused to give Tig any more money. And Tig, he went with what he had left, and he drowned his sorrows down at the pub
2: mm.
1: till three little men, red, ho- red hats, brown jackets, red shirts. They come in carrying a coffin and one of them tries to get his attention. Tige, Tige okay? Tige turns and he sees them. They open up the coffin and they take out a dead body and they place it upon his back and he doesn't know what's happening at all. He goes to throw it off himself when he finds its arms wrap around his neck, its legs wrap around his waist. And the three tiny little men, they say, Tygo Cain, you are going to bring this body to the graveyard up on the, tur- up on the hill. You're going to go into the church attached to that graveyard. You're going to go inside. You're going to pull up the flagstones. And you're going to dig down into the earth and bury him there. But. If you find a body under there already you will have to bring him to the church on the other hill and so on and so on until you find one with a space. So Tig, he doesn't know what to do. He's terrified. He tries pulling this body off him but he can't. He can't loosen its arms or its legs so he walks on. Only The only thing he knows to do to get rid of it is to go to the hill, go to the church. He arrives he pulls up the flagstone. He begins to dig and a body comes up and says, "That one, there's no room for that one down here, you move on." So Ty, he fills it back in, he places back the flags and he keeps walking. And this happens over and over and over again and it dawn is just about to rise. He gets to the last church. The whole time this body has been whispering in his ear, Tig, you need to bury me. Tig, I need to find a place to sleep, Tig. He finally finds the last church. He manages to pull up the flags. He digs down as far as he can. There's nothing there. He's relieved. He lays the body down. And he buries it. And he places down the flags. And then as he's leaving, he sees the little men again. And they tell him, "Tig, Tiger, okay? This was a lesson. You need to sort yourself out and remember your responsibilities. Or this might happen again and it won't end so well for you.
0: Brilliant story. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh. Yeah, Nisha, whenever, whenever I think of Tiger again, I always picture Nisha. Mm-hmm. Because Nisha's first started at the museum on Halloween thing as Tygo came down in the basement. <laughs> yeah, we have a haunted basement. Uh, it was at one stage haunted by Nisha. Uh, I also love in one of the versions of the story, while well, he's digging up the flagstones, yeah. this elderly
0: woman just bolts up and says, What did you here? <laughs> well, elderly women do, do that. Yeah, they? yeah. Like, they are, sometimes they're the most vicious people I've ever met in my life. And so, what are the, well, let's talk about the, the lessons in Tygo Kane. Mm-hmm. Yes! Uh, well, so uh, Contraception!
1: <laughs> That's a very good lesson, and why it's valuable.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm in the cottage I explain, yes, this place, there was a lot of people living in this home because contraception wasn't available mm-hmm. in Ireland for many, many years. And uh, I only say that with only adults in the room. Sometimes it gets a laugh, sometimes I get some stern looks. I
2: sometimes, in the when I'm telling The King of the Cats, I say like, the fellow was, you know, he was going off to his girlfriend's house, she was going to be alone. he was just going to you know, check up on her. But he knew mm-hmm. he would need to bring some protection. Um, occasionally, there will be just someone who burst out laughing. Like, Not that type of protection. <laughs> and oh, iron you? nail to keep the fairies away. Mm. <laughs> Get that in Ireland to the 90s. <laughs> when
0: I tell the story of Balor of the Evil Eye, I'm like, oh yes, Keen And a ten- they, ju- or- they went back. To their bed, and they just talked for a few hours. They just, mm-hmm. they lived, like, they, they were talking about the world, whereas a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm sure they did, yeah. It was, a, it was
2: such deep
0: talk that she conceived. <laughs> mm, I want to make it, but I can't.
2: <laughs> so, uh, contraception.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, responsibility. Indeed. Uh, d- d- don't be a prick. Don't be a prick. That's a very good lesson. And it one type sorely needed. Yeah.
0: The amount of like heroes and warriors in Irish mythology that have that lesson that, that and they don't learn it.
1: That no. could have done with it. Like Cú yeah. needed that lesson.
0: Chulainn demands,
2: demands that this woman mm. bear him a child at sword point, which if anyone is uncertain about that, that's rape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then having demanded the child, the child is born and
0: he says, Oh, you've had the baby, I'm gonna fuck off now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes up comes back in the end though and he's mm-hmm. like, Oh no, what have I done? Eventually. Eventually. But interesting you brought that up, Cú Cullen, because as I was oh. re- was I was as I was research- researching about Fosterage, like when you look back at the legends, they actually like Cook Cullen, Finn McCool, mm-hmm. they literally as children, they got yes. taken in by other people. Mm-hmm. Uh Coo Cullen in particular didn't
2: I don't think he had very many good male role models. No. Because his father was possibly Lou, the god. And uh, Lou was pretty much an absentee father. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm normally pro-Lou, but Lou, you drop the ball on this one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Uh, and like, the, his blood-relative male thing, father figure, was King Mac Nessa, mm-hmm. Who was teaching a very particular type of masculinity, which was not nice. And he was yeah. fostered out to a number of other fellas, but they were all under... Connors
0: rule. Funnily enough, the most powerful woman uh, in his life was Scott Yeah. 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 So he, uh, a
2: lot of our great warriors, they were trained by women. Mm-hmm. And you sort of get the feeling that the way these women warrior trainers are spoken of, as if everyone sort of knew who they were, mm-hmm. as if there should be a whole load of stories about them.
1: Yeah, as if there was a giant cannon that somebody decided they weren't going to bother recording because it ran contrary to their beliefs.
0: No, I think, and that's one joke I love to make uh, in the museum because I say, people say, do women leprechaun exist? And I say, you know, they do exist, they are recording stories but there are no leprechaun stories because the monks that wrote down the stories... Jeez, they didn't want to write down anything about women, and I can't imagine Occasionally, why. and then sometimes they wrote down
2: some very saucy stuff about women. Mm-hmm. Oh, fair. Three faced high.
0: Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have children listening to this. Oh, dear. But I don't think there are children Okay, fair, fair. This. this is okay. No, not, are, they no not anymore. No, not anymore. long left. Listen, yeah. I'm very much like, I'm like, I'll say all this stuff, and then when it comes to, like, particular things, I'm like, oh, no, 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 my delicate soul, the poor children. <laughs> But, um, somebody think of the children. Normally I'm that child. I'm like, oh my innocent ears. But again, all these stories, sometimes they're silly, sometimes they're really serious, sometimes they're sad, sometimes they're just bloody weird. But mm-hmm. each and every one of them you can take a moral and a story out of yes. it. Yes. Yes. So that's kind of what this whole thing's about.
2: So let's let's do one more question.
0: So this one here. Does Irish folklore have fables? What's your definition of a fable? Yeah. I, have a I mean, I'm stumped.
1: Like, th- th- this this is this is the area where my my actual university study actually comes in. Fables would be stories that were specifically come up with with the intention of teaching a lesson, mm. and that, there's not a huge amount of that in in Irish folklore and myth. It was mostly an entertainment thing. It was mostly shortening the evening.
2: Mm. Or remembering laws. Yes. Like a lot of our like the first recorded leprechaun story is in a law text mm-hmm. uh, about slavery.
1: <laughs> yeah, for 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 remembering laws and genealogies and, and all of these other things and recording history. But yeah, there wasn't
2: an awful lot of
1: intentionally passing down a lesson.
2: Mm. you sort of a you, you might get a lesson out of this, but you'll yeah. certainly get a laugh.
1: Yeah, You would get the lessons with the with the fairies and why you shouldn't bother them, but that's not so much a fable. Fatal. Yeah, yeah <laughs> So the question thought, is
2: done. not really, not really, kind of maybe. I'm going to have one more question, which is written by someone who doesn't work at the museum. Okay. I think. Okay. In a trip I did in Loughgall, um, sorry, I, I'm dyslexic and I'm not good at reading would you Like
0: me to read it. Uh, now, I'm
2: going to try it again. Yeah. In a trip I did in Logan, and there was a fairy village. Was that real? Mm. Okay, well, uh, I don't know about the particular location. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not very good at geography, so I'm not exactly sure where Logan is. Was that real? Well, you've come out of it, I'm assuming, mm. because you've written this, reasonably unscarred. So, how much did, did you notice time passing differently? Did you did you think you were only there for an hour? Or so and you came back and I was like, "Where have you been the last three months?" Because uh, that would definitely be a sign that it was real. You came out of it. so I'm assuming you didn't eat anything because mm-hmm. you eat anything,
0: and you're in a real world of the fairies. You're probably not going to get out of there. Or what I say to the young children: Well, if you saw fairies with wings, they're not the Irish fairies. They're they're different fairies, and mm-hmm. you know they're good because I've had a lot of children say, "But but 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 the fairies you're talking about, they're not the fairies from my fairy door, are they?" And then I'm like, mm. no, they're completely different. Oh, Do yeah. not worry about them. Well, they are absolutely it's such a broad term. Mm-hmm. Uh, let see.
2: So I'm not saying that this fairy village wasn't real, but the fairies, they are also known for illusions, mm-hmm. for glamours. So it might have been a fairy illusion, which would be part real, part not real.
1: Then the fairies may have set up a decoy village.
2: That would ah, be been very much their style. It
1: would. Uh, there's another question to ask, though. Did you come out of there with unusual musical talents that you didn't have before?
2: Thomas the Rhymer? Mm-hmm. Can you only... Well, you haven't written in rhyme, but can you only speak in rhyme? <laughs> do, you, do you have a... If you suck your thumb up, do you suddenly have all of the wisdom of the world?
1: <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Kind of
2: a thing. Did you? Can you, you com- only speak the truth?
1: <laughs> Did you come out of there much older and with everyone you'd ever known dead?
2: Mm, that's another thing if you visit very fairy world did
0: you literally meet just hag women being like hello and say, thank you <laughs> like that's that happens a lot mm-hmm. um one of my favourite fairy stories I'm going to tell soon is the story of um Biddy Manahan. Mm-hmm. you know that the woman who um she meets Manon Maglear's wife and the wife is like oh my god I can't breastfeed my baby no I don't know this at all oh I love what this is? story okay this doesn't really have a lesson but this I'm is I'm learning a story i never heard yeah I'm like, okay, you're teaching so, us okay Right, so there's, um, there was this woman, Biddy Manahan, and she had just recently given birth to a baby, and she was breastfeeding, of course. Now, there was Manah MacLear, who is the king of the sea, and he had his wife, but sadly, his wife was cursed by a cruel witch. A cruel witch who was in love with Manah MacLear, and, of course, she was cursed. Her breast milk was cursed, and it was only give off sour milk. Ooh. So when Manah MacLear and his wife had a child, the baby couldn't eat. And so... Biddy, at this time, was having a baby at the exact same time this wife was, this nameless wife. And so Biddy was kidnapped by Manna MacLear. She was drawn into the sea and then she went under. And she found herself in this strange world under the sea. There was a sky, there was beautiful palaces made of gold. And she was brought around this beautiful place. And she was escorted everywhere. And then finally she was brought up to the room of Manna MacLair and his wife. And his poor wife looked awful. She looked like death herself, and she was screaming to Biddy, take the child, take this heathen. And so the, the, Biddy took the baby and then knew the baby was hungry, so put it to her breast and fed it. Hmm. Now, the next morning, Biddy came down after a lovely night, rest in a fabulous, fabulous room. And then again, the baby was eating or drinking even. and. Then they were saying, you, thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Please. Eat. Drink. Oh. Yeah, you know where this is going. And Biddy, she said, no, I won't because I'm, you know, I don't really eat breakfast first thing in the morning, but maybe in a, in a while. And as she was walking around on her own, she noticed a woman washing the floor. And that woman looked exactly like someone in her village she knew as a child that had disappeared and never returned and she knew immediately that the fairies these people were trying to keep her there they needed her breast milk and so she needed a plan to get home now she searched all the palace she was trying to find a way out but she came across a crypt filled with skeletons and when she turned around, she saw Manna McLear and his wife. And she quickly pushed past them and ran out of the door. Now she found this woman. This woman was there, and she said she will help her escape. So the woman brought her out through this veil, this strange place. And then, Biddy, she went through the strange curtain veil, and then she was under the water. And she could not breathe, but she swam up, 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 and then she got to the surface. She saw land. She swam back, and then she got home. But when she got to her house, her husband, it was a few days later, oh my god, she just wanted her bed. But her husband was furious, where on earth were you? Where were you? And her husband looked at her wrist. Before she left, she was given by the queen a beautiful golden bracelet from the fairies under the sea. That's a story.
1: I have heard, I have read a version of that. It mm. wasn't about uh, Man and Man. Manon and McLear. Yeah. It was uh, about just a nameless fairy king yeah. who lived in a
0: lake. Oh, mm. I've heard of. Listen, listen. One thing you can't, you, you can't. Everyone knows about our stories is that mm. none of them are no the same. They um, all are different.
1: The, um, the story about uh, killing the uh, the lake monster in Derg that is told about Brian Boru, Fionn McCool, <laughs> Saint Patrick, and Daniel O'Connell.
2: <laughs> oh, I love the image of Daniel O'Connell going up there Oh, I'll the great liberator you. No, in my head now, it's not Daniel O'Connell It's Daniel O'Connell's statue from O'Connell Street It's <laughs> hooked off the pillar oh. The angels are coming, flanking them, and Marching up there to
0: deal with a monster No, do we even better? Can we add to that list? Daniel O'Donnell <laughs> Yeah Just <laughs> add to that list just, just. Nathan Carter, just all these Irish <laughs> names, just, and they, they slaughtered the beast. Mark, for work, he <laughs> slaughtered it. Oh, guys. Well, I'm going to be entirely honest with you. I don't know how that Binnie Mallon story falls into lessons, but that's um, it. Some um, formula. 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 Yeah, formula. That's, that it was
1: the series
0: that just had formula. Yeah, that's like a hundred and something years old. I don't know if it was made in Ireland, but um, um, am I wrong? Sh- sh- she also kind of teaches the lesson of don't eat their food. Yeah, don't mm. eat the don't eat the word food. So maybe maybe get out of a job if you don't really like it very much. Like the woman <laughs> just like you know, or you know discuss um you know discuss your contract. Hmm. Up uh, front.
2: Yeah, because they were looking for a wet nurse, um mm. but they uh, decided the best way to do that was kidnap, mm-hmm. rather than you know approach go look you know come you know we'll, we'll try a six month contract we'll get this much and this much and this much time off. And so on.
1: Um, don't kidnap wet nurses, yeah, like, yeah. You can just hire them. That is a job.
2: Yeah. Uh, is it I st- I don't think it's still a job anymore. Oh,
1: um I'm sure some people do it still. I
2: know they used to in the maternity hospital, they used to take donations of breast milk. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had to stop that because mm-hmm. uh, you can pass things on. Yes. Yeah. So um yeah, they stopped donating and they figured we've got formula, so mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: it is like it makes you why do they need a human though? another
2: fairy I, fairies generally have an ish, have issues around reproduction mm. uh, possibly because they live so long as a sort of population control they don't reproduce as often as humans they have to go through a bit more effort which is why they often will kidnap humans to use them as you know sperm banks or <laughs> rental wombs <laughs> yeah hope there's no kids listening. Um, yeah, because they, they have, you have difficulty.
0: saying that word. They have like
2: difficulty um, conceiving with each other. Like, mm-hmm. they, they they can do it. It just it takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. So there mightn't have mm-hmm. been any fairies around her who oh, know, could,
0: mm-hmm. were at that in recent babiness. See, we're learning all the time. <laughs> learning all the time, and we hope you've learned something too. <laughs> So to take away from all these stories some of them are sad some of them are happy some of them dark some of them are weird but they all have a lesson and sometimes those lessons you have to learn yourself. Yeah. Uh, if
2: you uh, if you have any questions for us you can reach us uh, through our various social medias. Uh, on Twitter we are at leprechaun underscore dot IE On Instagram we are I'm just looking around for the box we are at leprechaun museum I think the only leprechaun museum.
1: I'm pretty sure we are.
2: And you can hashtag Ask a Storyteller. And if you happen to be passing by the museum, pop in, say hello. Yep. Maybe go on a tour. Ask a question, pop a question in our lovely pink question box. And we hope you will hear from us soon. Bye now.
1: Goodbye.
2: So long.